Well, hey, you guys, welcome to the Connection Point Parent Podcast. I'm Ron, and I'm here with Dr. Zach Breitenbach, who's uh, one of the Worldview Directors at Connection Point Church, and this is a podcast designed to take you as parents deeper into places that your students have already gone. So, Dr. Zach, let's jump right in. This past Sunday, you wrapped up your four-week series on the reliability of the Bible by talking about how archaeology and history and prophecy all support the Bible. Seems like a lot of ground to cover in uh, in one lesson. So was that a challenge? Yeah, that was a big challenge. Uh, as this whole series has been a challenge to kind of condense it down to what I can cover in a short time. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we just scratched the surface. And, and I wanted to try to highlight just a few uh, archaeological discoveries relevant to the Old Testament and and to the New Testament, and there's so much more that can be discussed with archaeology. And then we also talked a little bit about some historical writings from the first century that refer to Bible people and events that support the, the fact that these were real, these weren't just fairy tales. The Bible is rooted in history and historical claims, and we have evidence that these these events actually happened and these people really lived. And then I wanted to squeeze a little prophecy in there, too. I mean, obviously, you can do a whole series just on prophecy, but uh, I, I talked about mostly messianic prophecy, so we'll get into that a bit. And I wanted them to understand that there's some amazing prophecies in the Old Testament about who the Messiah would be and how Jesus uh, fulfilled these perfectly. Mm. Um, and one other thing I'll say as we get started, I just want to remind parents that we do give students a handout a uh, little notes packet, uh, if you will, as as they go through the lesson. And um, we don't tell students they have to take notes, but uh, we would love for you to have conversations with your student uh, about the lesson. Uh, after you listen to this podcast and you have an idea of what the lesson was about, um, if you would go back and talk to your student, maybe even at, just ask them to teach you some things that they learned and take you through their notes packet. We don't want this to feel like a chore to them or like school, right. but we do want to encourage you to say, hey, I'm curious now. I heard this podcast. Sounds like you learned some really interesting stuff. Could you teach me and tell me, take me through a little bit of what you learned? Maybe we'll pull out that little handout you got. Um, but we don't want it to be like when I was a kid and my dad, as well-intentioned as he was, would, 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 uh, was, would have me do this uh math blaster program <laughs> where where I had to sit for an hour and, and it was supposed to be fun and I absolutely hated it. Uh, but uh, it just felt like a chore and I resented math and didn't want to do it. Uh, we don't want that, but we do want to just uh, create opportunities for you to have good conversations with your student about what they're learning. That's really neat because that, that kind of makes sense to me. I mean, they have all those statistics about it. Like if you if you just listen, you retain X amount. And if you mm -hmm. jot notes down, you retain X amount. But if you actually teach that or pass it on to somebody, yeah. then it, it sticks even more. So for them to be able to teach us as parents, that's a pretty cool yeah. tool. Yeah, they'll learn more. They'll retain more. You'll learn more. You'll have good conversations. It, it'll just be a win all around. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you began by discussing evidence for some things in the Old Testament, beginning with the Exodus. Now, some skeptics of the book of Exodus have claimed that there's no evidence that the Israelites were ever in Egypt in the first place and left Egypt to settle in Canaan. So do we have any archaeological evidence for the Exodus? 
Yeah, some some skeptics have claimed that, and mm. they'll they'll talk about how well the Egyptians have no records of like all these plagues coming on them, or these these slaves leaving and and the seas parting and then yeah. closing in on the soldiers. Like these are like dramatic events, and right. you're like, well, why would they not have any records of it? Well, uh, that is true. We haven't found any yet. That doesn't mean there weren't any. This was a very long time ago, but. Also, nations don't tend to keep uh, records of their embarrassing defeats, and it doesn't get much more embarrassing than that when a bunch of slaves escape in that way. Mm. Um, but that doesn't mean there's no evidence for the, the exodus, because there really is. And this has become more apparent uh, recently as we've discovered more and more. So if the exodus happened, uh, and of course, the Exodus is when, uh, and, and there's the book of Exodus in uh, the second book of the Bible, uh, is when the, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, uh, and they God brought them out. He sent Moses to confront Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world at the time, and say, hey, let my people go. And of course, Pharaoh wasn't too excited about doing that. And then uh, God brought plague after plague on Egypt, and eventually Pharaoh did let the, um, let the people go. Uh, so if, if all that happened, what you would want to see is evidence that the Israelites were in Egypt before the Exodus. And Exodus, of course, means to exit. Mm-hmm. You'd want to see evidence that the Israelites were in Egypt before then. And we, we think the Exodus happened uh, around 1450 B.C., roughly, um, and, and this is based on um, especially 1 Kings 6.1 where it, uh, it says that it has been 480 years since the people of Israel left Egypt until Solomon began uh, building the, the temple. So we can date it pretty well uh, to that time. So is there any evidence that the Israelites were in Egypt before that time period? Okay. And then after that time period, of course, we have really good evidence they ended up in the land of Canaan in Israel. So why think the Israelites were ever in Egypt? Well, we've we've found um, some good evidence for that. One would be uh, called the the Papyrus Brooklyn. It's called that because it's in the uh, Brooklyn Museum okay. in New York. And so this is just a uh, a papyrus made out of papyrus reeds. It's very very old. It dates to actually 200 years before the Exodus, like the 1600s BC. Wow. Uh, it's just a fragment, you know, of of this scroll. And it, it lists a bunch of names of servants or slaves, which doesn't sound that interesting in itself. But what's interesting is that uh, about 10 of these names are Hebrew names. Hmm. And so this has proved uh, clearly that, that there were Hebrew slaves that were in Egypt uh, before the Exodus occurred, which is consistent with the Bible because right. they came there when, when Joseph came there and then... Um, they stayed um, until the, the time of the Exodus. So uh, that is, supports the Exodus. Also, we talked about uh, Rechmira's tomb. This Rechmira was a uh, leading official, uh, probably just second to Pharaoh in Egypt at the time, about 1450, when the Exodus would have happened. And his tomb has all this uh, very ornate uh, artwork in it. And, and one thing that you see in this artwork is Semitic slaves building bricks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we gave we showed students a picture of, of this artwork. You see them making mud bricks uh, from mud and water um, and, and drying out the bricks and carrying them off. And you see uh, Egyptian like uh, slave masters with rods 
Um, so we know that there were um, these lighter skinned, there's also darker skinned slaves in this picture, but there's also these lighter skinned Semitic uh, slaves, meaning uh, uh, Israelites, um, Phoenicians, uh, Akkadians, Arabs, people that are uh, Semitic, uh, building these bricks at that time period, uh, which is exactly what the book of Exodus said happened. We've also found uh, this other uh, scroll called the, the Louvre uh, Leather Roll, and this uh, talks about how this was dated a couple hundred years after the Exodus, but it talks about how the Egyptians still had slaves who had to make a daily quota of bricks. And they had to, uh, one of them was punished because they didn't have enough straw. And, um, and this is exactly what you read about too in Exodus, where the Israelites were forced to gather their own straw and then they couldn't meet their quota of bricks and then they were, had this harsh punishment on them. And uh, so we read about that uh, outside the Bible from that same time period. So we have good evidence that the, uh, the Egyptians had these kind of slaves, that the Hebrews were there before the Exodus, and uh, that many of the things that are described and how the Israelites were treated by the Egyptians were really happened. We have extra biblical evidence for that. That's fascinating. So uh, until fairly recently, many scholars doubted that King David ever lived. So even though David was this great king of Israel, and the Bible says he's an ancestor of Jesus, no archaeological evidence had ever been found that he existed. How has that changed? Yeah, that's changed in the last 30 years. There was um, this, uh, it's called a stele or a monument um, that they found at a place called Tel Dan. Now, this is in the very northern part of, of Israel. A tell is like an archaeological dig site. I've and, been there, actually. Yeah, yeah very cool. To go. Yeah. Very cool. The layers of, of history that you could track through the tell were fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And these tells are, you know, where there's been a, a town will be destroyed and then another layer will be built on top of it. And it's just a great place to dig and do archaeology. And at Tel Dan in 1993, they discovered this monument that was uh, created by an Aramean king, this, this neighboring nation that would war against Israel. And he was bragging about different kings he's defeated. And he talks about there was a king from the house of David that he defeated. And this monument uh, dates to a, about 870 B.C., about 100 years after David lived. And so it, it's become uh, really good evidence now that there was a house of David. This is a phrase we find in the Bible, which just refers to uh, those who descend from David, right? This line of kings that came after him. Um, and so there was this house of David. There were these kings that found, followed after him. We actually now have real archaeological evidence of David and, and him being a king. So many scholars now, widely, they do accept that, that David actually did live. That's great. Well, then you shifted from the Old Testament to the New Testament and discussed how there's first century evidence outside the Bible for some of the key people who are mentioned in the Gospels. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, there's so many more that I would have liked to have discussed, but uh, we, we focused on just a few. Like we talked about Pontius Pilate, who, of course, was the Roman prefect or governor of Judea, and so he was the one that Jesus was, when the Jews arrested him and tried him, they hauled him off to Pilate to have him executed. And how do we know that there was a Pilate, right? How do we know that this isn't just made-up stuff? Well, we, we have overwhelming evidence that there was a Pontius Pilate. There was a, 
uh, a stone that was discovered. It's often called the, the Pilate Stone. And on it, it says Pontius Pilate's name, and it says Prefect of Judea. And Prefect was his title, uh, which basically means he's a Roman governor of, of Judea. Um, we found a ring, uh, sort of a signet ring that has his name on it that says Of Pilate, which was quite possibly used by uh, one of his officials that would, uh, you know, sort of sign seal documents and, or uh-huh. seal, some, seal a document. And uh, we found that. Um, and uh, he was mentioned also, Pontius Pilate was mentioned by Josephus hmm. and Tacitus, two first century historians. Josephus was a, a Jewish historian. Tacitus was a Roman historian. And they both talk about him, and we learn a lot of, of information. So, about again, documentation outside the Bible. Yeah, so we've yeah. got archaeology, and we also have just hi- history. We have yeah. writings from the first century yeah. that talk about awesome. Pilate. There's no doubt he existed. Similarly, like John the Baptist, Josephus actually talks about his uh, execution, just as uh, the Bible says uh, Herod, Herod Antipas, uh, had executed uh, John the Baptist. Um, Josephus says, yeah, he was executed by Herod and many of the Jews really liked John and thought he was a godly uh, man and uh, so he talks about a very about the, the same thing. Then we talked about a couple of uh, ossuaries or bone boxes. The Jews would keep um, the bones of people in these boxes. Sometimes whole families of people would be collected in these bones. The, the body would die and deteriorate and then they collect the bones and keep them in these boxes. Hmm. Because uh, the Jews did believe, at least many of the Jews, the Pharisees at least, uh, believed in an end-time resurrection of the dead. And so they wanted to keep the bones mm-hmm. uh, for that purpose. Interesting um, logic, but I can kind of see how they would think that yeah, way. The yeah, the bones were like the focus. Right. right. So uh, we found what we believe to be the bone box or ossuary of, of Caiaphas, uh, the high priest at the time when Jesus was arrested and Jesus stood before Caiaphas. We read about this in Matthew 26 and John 18. Um, but there was this very ornate uh, bone box discovered and it, it had Caiaphas on there. It said uh, also Joseph, son of Caiaphas. And we know from Josephus, who wrote about Caiaphas, that he, he also went, his name was Joseph, but he went by Caiaphas. This was kind of a family name, maybe mm-hmm. a male ancestor of of him that was called Caiaphas, and they just he he went by it. The Gospels call him Caiaphas, but um, Josephus notes that he was also call, called Joseph, son of Caiaphas, and that's what it says on the on the bone box. And um, and there was a whole family of bones in there, including a person who was pr- a male in probably his sixties, which would um, very likely be um, Caiaphas himself. Hmm. Um, there were coins in there that allow them to date it uh, to the first century, mid first century. Couldn't have been later than 70, uh, 80. Um, so that was very interesting. Also found a bone box or an ossuary of, of what's likely James, the brother of Jesus, who obviously wrote the book of James, and he's mentioned prominently in Galatians and Acts uh, 15. Um, and so they found this bone box that said, James, uh, son of Joseph, brother of Jesus. So it would have to be somebody who had uh, a dad named Joseph and, and a brother named Jesus. Now, there were people named James and Joseph and Jesus in the yep. first century. Okay. But what's really interesting is almost never will you find a bone box that mentions someone's brother's name. It says brother of so-and-so. Uh, you just don't find it. In fact, there's only ever been one other bone box that ever mentioned someone's brother. Hmm. So this Jesus, whoever this James, son of Joseph, brother of Jesus was, had to have a very— Pretty significant. He was, yeah, this Jesus was very prominent 
very significant person that he would be mentioned as his brother. Hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of uh, scholars that think that this is, is quite likely uh, James's bone box. And then we talked about Jesus, too, and just talked about how there are first century sources that talk about him, including Josephus and Tacitus that I already mentioned. They give a lot of details about Jesus's life that agree with the Bible. They don't really tell us more than we already know from the Gospels, but it agrees with it. Like Josephus talks about how Pilate uh, heard accusations about Jesus from uh, men of the highest standing among us, meaning the Jewish leadership, um, and he condemned him to be crucified. And then Jesus went on and had followers uh, even after he died. And Tacitus gives us other similar details. Uh, as do as do other sources as well, um, to the point that there's there's really no historians that will will deny that Jesus was a real person who was crucified by the Romans, and that we can know certain things about his life. Awesome. So, your Hammond Home archaeology history, and then uh, next you gave students a taste for some of the amazing prophecies in the Bible. So. You started out by giving them a mystery passage from the Bible to read. You asked them to read it and then figure out who it is talking about and whether they think it comes from the Old or the New Testament. So talk a little bit about what you are aiming at to, to show them this. Yeah, I gave them uh, just a printout of Isaiah 53, mm. which is an amazing prophecy about the Messiah from the Old Testament. But right. I didn't tell them it was Isaiah 53. Mm. And I just asked them to read it at their tables with their with their groups and just one, try to figure out who is this talking about and why do you think so? And then two, what part of the Bible do you think it's from? As you said, is it the Old Testament, the New Testament? Maybe it comes from the Gospels. And so they read this and it's so obvious that it's talking about Jesus. I mean, it talks about this suffering servant who's going to be rejected by mankind, who's going to be considered punished by God, yet he was actually uh, being punished for our sins. Uh, and he was pierced and crushed for our sins, and he didn't open his mouth when he was accused, and he was killed, and he was assigned a grave with the wicked, and he was uh, buried in a rich man's tomb, um, and that he was going to justify many, and he was going to be uh, bear our sins, even though he was numbered with the with the sinners. So uh, you read this, and you're like, well, the, for many, many reasons, it's obviously talking just about Jesus. And they, they said, yes, yeah, Jesus, and here's all the reasons why. And, and then I said, well, where do you think that would come from in the Bible? I said, well, of course, it has to come from the New Testament because it's writing about Jesus and it gives all these details. And then I and I was hoping they would say Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and they did. Uh, all of them thought that. And so then I said, because they, they know enough to know that the New Testament is written after the life of Jesus. So so then I said, what what would you say if I told you that this was actually written about seven to eight hundred years before Jesus ever lived? Mm -hmm. Right. That this comes from um, Isaiah 53. And, and so then we watched a little video on Messianic prophecy after that. And I think that that uh, really hit home with them. That's amazing. So what else did you tell them about uh, the messianic prophecies within the Bible? Yeah, so we kind of defined what a prophet is as one who, who speaks the words of God, you know, not just about the future, but we were kind of focusing on these prophecies about the future. And we talked about, yeah, messianic prophecies or prophecies about the Messiah. These, these were 400, even four, some of them 1,400 years before uh, Jesus ever lived. And I've got a chart in, in their notes packet, which, you know, if they brought it home, then they'll have that. And you, you can read that with them. I think you'll really find this interesting because there's a chart which will give an event 
it'll it'll state in the Old Testament where this prophecy was was made that this event would happen, and then I give the New Testament fulfillment of that. And you just go through it, and you can see there's so many messianic prophecies about Jesus, um, like uh, things they, like he would uh, Psalm 22, which uh, mm-hmm. I wish we had time to read. Where uh, it starts out, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" Which Jesus mm-hmm. quotes on the cross, huh. basically to say this is being fulfilled about mm-hmm. me, because they didn't have numbers in Psalms back mm-hmm. then. If you wanted to refer to a Psalm, you quote the first line. Yeah. He quotes the first line, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" To say, "Hey, this is." being fulfilled right now. And it, and if you just read through that, it talks about how his hands and feet would be pierced, he'd be crucified. The crucifixion didn't even exist when David wrote that psalm. Hmm. Um, it, it wouldn't exist for centuries later. How no bones would be broken, his garments would be divided, um, how he would be scorned, where people would say he trusted God, let God deliver him, which uh, people were saying about him while he was on the cross. Just all these details. Uh, going on some other uh, messianic prophecies in that chart, like he'd be born in Bethlehem, he'd be raised from the dead, he'd be born of a virgin, um, he'd be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Uh, he'd have a ministry in Galilee, he'd be a light to the Gentiles. Um, he would uh, be God, he would be despised, he would be rejected, he'd be silent when he was accused. He'd be buried by a rich man, um, but he's going to die for all mankind, even though he's condemned with the criminals. Um, he'd be part of a new and eternal covenant. Um, he would enter Jerusalem as a king on a donkey. His side would be pierced. He would be an intercessor, a priest between us and God. Um, all of this and many more um, is just amazing. And so I'd encourage you to, to just you know, maybe read one of those prophecies at night with your kids that are in that chart and then just look at, at the fulfillment. And I think you'll all be amazed at how Jesus fulfills all these prophecies. That's pretty amazing. Now, now I'm going to put you on the spot real quick. What what are the odds of someone basically having the Old Testament prophecies as a checklist and and you know me wandering around just going, I'm going to fulfill that and fulfill that and fulfill that yeah. so that it'll appear as if I'm the guy. Yeah. Well, for some of them, you could intentionally engineer it so that you fulfill it. Yeah. Like riding into Jerusalem on the donkey. Right. When Jesus did that, he obviously chose to do it. Yeah. uh, In fulfillment of of a prophecy that was from uh, Zechariah 9.9. But some of these prophecies he could not have engineered, right? Mm-hmm. Like being born in Bethlehem. <laughs> you you don't example. get to pick where you're going to be born. <laughs> yeah, or right. being a descendant of David, yeah. right? Or from yeah. the tribe of Judah or anything like that. Yeah. There's just a lot of these. You you, you either this applies to you or it doesn't, and there's nothing you can do to make, make it check off the list. Or certainly being born of a virgin would be pretty hard yes. some, for someone to intentionally pull off. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of these things. I that, would probably uh, tap out also when it got time to the crucifixion. I mean, there's a <laughs> yeah. lot of that. That you know. Yeah, yeah, that would be hard to orchestrate too. Although maybe if you work real hard to get yourself crucified, you could. But not not many people would be very motivated to and then take even, it that far. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and it's some, I guess, uh, in some states might get to that spot. But then even still, you wouldn't be able to dictate that. Like, for example, the soldiers don't break your legs Yeah, when that was the common practice for right. most. Yeah, right. there, There's a lot of these that, that just could not be uh, intentionally fulfilled. Hmm. Well, it's, it's really amazing, Zach, uh, how the Old Testament and the New Testament point to that central theme of salvation through Jesus. So how did you conclude the, the lesson? 
Yeah, we, we talked about how that um, prophecy really does point to Jesus in the Old Testament. Jesus is not an, an afterthought in the mm-hmm. story of the Bible where God's like, well, these people have really messed up. Maybe we'll come up with this plan and send Jesus. Uh, God planned this before he created the world, and there's passages in the Bible that, that say that. Um, and and Jesus just fulfills so many prophecies, um, some 60 or so prophecies we, we we finished by talking about how unlikely it would be for one person to fulfill all these um, even uh, somebody ran the numbers on this mm-hmm. uh, and calculated it um, in a book called science speaks and uh, they calculated that the they took just eight of those messianic prophecies okay. Jesus filled and said what would be the odds of one person fulfilling just just eight of them Jesus mm-hmm. fulfilled many more probably closer to like 60 um, and what they determined is that it would be uh, 1 in 10 to the 17th power to visualize this. Think about the whole state of Texas being covered two feet deep in silver dollars, um, and one of them is, is marked uh, as being the, the, the right one. And then they're, they're just shuffled up randomly, and then you got to randomly uh, go into Texas uh, two feet deep, <laughs> pick one, and it's got to be the one that was marked, right? Jeez. What are the odds that you would? It's pretty pretty bad. Right. And that's just the odds of one person fulfilling uh, eight of eight. these prophecies wow. that, that he fulfilled. So um, it's really amazing how the whole Bible points to Jesus. And so I wanted to just leave them with thinking uh, about that. That's pretty powerful. Well, there's an awful lot for us to think about and uh the eighth graders got this. The seniors uh, get a whole other set. And so this is good material for you as parents to uh, have that conversation with your kids and let them teach you what they've already learned. So, Dr. Zach, thanks so much. And thanks to Trey, too, for uh, being a part of this. If you have questions about Connection Point Church, you can go to cp.news. That's a good starting place. Otherwise, hang in there because we'll be back before you know it with some more resources for you. God bless. <music>